welcome to the latest instalment of Intelligent Transport's podcast. My name is Leah Hockley, I'm the Deputy Editor of Intelligent Transport and your host for today. And joining me on this episode is Thomas Wolfe, Chief Operating Officer at Harkon, the leading software solutions provider for digital mobility. Today we will be discussing the topic of mobility as a service and why it is so important that it is delivered both successfully and globally. We will also take a closer look at some of the key aspects of mass, including multimodality and demand responsive transport, as well as how mass can support the sustainable recovery of business travel post-pandemic. So Thomas, first of all, I'd just like to thank you so much for joining me today. It's really fantastic to have you here to discuss such an important topic for the industry. So I think a really good place for us to start is obviously the delivery of mobility as a service is becoming an increasingly more important priority for the public transport industry. But why is it so important that mass is successfully delivered? First of all, thank you, Leah, for, for the kind invitation and, and giving us the, the opportunity to, to create this podcast. Um, and for, for any, everybody listening to it, uh, I hope you'll find it entertaining, informative, and that uh, you will listen to us again. Uh, so let's, uh, let's get started with, with your first question. And um, I would say uh, that right now we have a, if you want to call it a window of opportunity, um, uh, mobility as a service, as a, as a trend, as a technology has been around for a few days. But right now it's getting a real tailwind. Uh, first of all, because the, the whole discussion about uh, the race to zero, the reduction of carbon footprint, uh, that's, the I think, a major driver for mobility as a service. Uh, and, and why is this so? Uh, I think everyone knows that uh, the transportation segment is a significant contributor to uh, uh, the carbon footprint. And, uh, and, and this is where uh, the ownership of a car comes into play. And, and we all know that uh, reducing car ownership, reusing, uh, reducing the, uh, uh, the usage of, of your own individual car reduces uh, your carbon emission and your carbon footprint. So the, the, the social ag- agreement or the, the agreement in society is that we want to reduce uh, car ownership in favor of public transit and shared uh, mobility. And this is where mobility as a service comes into place because it's nice and easy to say, uh, abandon your car, use the bus. Uh, but if, if you want to go to uh, uh, your do-it-yourself market, uh, if you want to carry heavy luggage, if you want to travel with four people in cold weather, uh, then catching the bus is not always the best option. Uh, and then if you don't have a car, the difficulty starts how to accomplish mobility uh, in all those areas where public transit is not available whether it's geographics, whether it's time, like four o'clock in the morning. So we, we need to, uh, to come up with solutions for mobility that complement public transit uh, in a way that they offer a real and maybe even, even a better alternative to car ownership. And uh, this is, I think, what mobility as a service is all about. It's providing a better, and if you want, bigger and more flexible car. Um, and it does that by creating a relationship with anybody who offers a mobility as a service a platform. And through this one and single relationship and with one app and with one contract and one means of payment, you can access all modes of mobility. And this is, I think, what it's all about. It's providing a better car or a better car alternative um, and by this, it addresses the need to reduce carbon footprint. And I think that's the major driver for mobility as a service. 
Um, and that's why we are experiencing such a, a tailwind for it right now. And this is why, of course, we also need to deliver uh, because expectations uh, have now been created and we need to meet them. If I may actually add to this, above and beyond this, we also have a, a change in mobility behavior uh, based on Corona. Uh, I think we all know that the uh, employees will not return to their desks and offices uh, by 100%. Many will continue to work from home uh, or work more flexible and return to the office only once or twice a week. Uh, and that also means that uh, the, the usage of your fixed route network in any public transit will be reduced and it will change. Uh, people are moving out of the city into the suburbs again uh, or uh, into rural areas where mobility is not that well available. So we need to connect the mobility that is available in these areas with public transit and with mass transit, covering the first and last mile. And all of these requirements are coming up now and we need to speak to them. So that's uh, those are, I think, the, the, the two major drivers why we need to make sure that uh, we, we get mass on the street right now. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you mentioned that um, about COVID-19 and people were working from home for so long and weren't using public transport. And now that people are starting to return to their offices and even things like leisure, business travel and things like that, um, the industry is really, really keen on making sure that it's not a private car led recovery. Do you think that mass will be essential to making sure that this doesn't happen? I think it can be a piece of the puzzle to make car ownership less attractive, or let me let me phrase it the other way around, uh, to make the, the use of public transit and shared mobility more attractive. Um, I think instead of tar- instead of making a car less attractive, I think we we uh, we need to consider how we make public transit and shared mobility more attractive. Because uh, I think uh, people are very happy to choose a better option uh, if there is one available. And that's why I, I like the picture of mobility as a service offering uh, a bigger and better and more flexible car alternative. Uh, because whatever my requirement for mobility is, um, I can find an answer. Uh, but I do not have to, it, it needs to be easily accessible. It, it must not be difficult. Uh, to then look for alternatives. So as of today, for example, if, if I would abandon my car, and by the way, I'm, I have to admit, I haven't done that yet, uh, even though I live close by a city, um, it would leave me with the question, what, what do I do on a Sunday afternoon if I want to drive to a lake? Uh, because there is no bus route uh, to the lake. Um, if I would know uh, that I can easily use some other shared mobility without any big fuss, uh, I think it would make it a lot more attractive to abandon my car. Uh, I just want to make sure that if on a Sunday afternoon I feel like I want to go to the lake, uh, I find some kind of mobility, for example, car sharing or ride sharing, that gets me there fast and convenient. And this is exactly what Mass is offering. Uh, it gives us a solution for every kind of uh, our mobility needs. And thus, it makes it more likely that people really change and really abandon their car. Absolutely. And I think if we consider how important mass is, 
and obviously the industry is working so hard to make sure that it is delivered properly what innovations can the industry implement to ensure that mass does become a global reality and really draws people away from their private cars and offers them that opportunity to sort of really utilize public transport it's a it's a good question and i think when you when you talk about innovations or uh, when you raise the question about innovation i i think the reflex is of course to respond with uh, technology and I think it's fair to say that uh, we have most of the technology needed uh, to uh, supply mobility as a service solution. Uh, uh, we, we have them available um, and we have them proven, we have them deployed. I mean, if you if you kind of deep dive into mobility as a service, uh, the fundamental components of it are trip planning, they are ticketing and booking, and then there is additional mobility as a service functionality uh, to bundle uh, all these services across different means of, of mobility. And if you look at those three pillars, we we have trip planning. We, we even have intermodal trip planning where we can combine mobility modes in order to create smart and, and fast uh, trips. So for example, if I if I want to go downtown and I live far away from the next metro station, uh, we can create intermodal trips uh, by suggesting uh, to use a DRT vehicle or to use a scooter or a shared bike to get to your next metro station and then take the metro all the way downtown. That's intermodal travel. And that's a problem um, that uh, we from Hakon, we, we have solved it. We, we know how to do it uh, and, and to provide solutions to it. The ticketing part, same thing. It's more or less uh, a soft riddle, if you want, uh, and we have this available, whether it's ticketing in, in, in urban area or for railways, uh, uh, we, we have solutions available for this. So what we, what we just added to all this is, if you want a mass umbrella, uh, we, we call this the mobility marketplace, and it creates a space where all the mobility service providers can deposit their service offerings, and all riders can easily access uh, those mobility uh, offerings. And by, by, by doing this, uh, in, it enables a transit agency to add all means of transportation uh, to their public transit network. And I think that's a, that's a strong additional value for, for everyone, for the riders and for the different mobility service providers. So I think that the, the, the message is, there is not all that much to implement. Uh, most of the technology is already available. We have the trip planning, we have the ticketing, and we're just adding um, a mass umbrella, our, our mobility marketplace to it. I think the biggest challenge that we actually have is the integration of the uh, many mobility service providers that are in the market. I mean, there's hundreds of companies that offer scooter sharing, bike sharing, ride sharing, car sharing. And there are not many, you could almost say there's no standard uh, for interfacing with them. And that's, I think, uh, one of the remaining pain points. Uh, it makes uh, the introduction of a new mass platform a little more time consuming than it would have to be uh, if standards were available. So one more thing maybe maybe to mention here, um, uh, even though I'm speaking on, on behalf of Hakon here, where Hakon is a, is a is part of a, of a larger group of companies all under the, the Siemens umbrella. And uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, our offering uh, comes, comes across all of the 
functionalities needed for a mobility as a service solution. So that's the, the, the trip planning uh, covered by Hakon. It's the ticketing covered uh, by EOS Uptrade and Bytemark. And uh, especially uh, the, the ticketing and reservation systems provided by Skills, uh, and they provide them as a service, uh, as many of, uh, of you know. And then we have the uh, on-demand or DRT uh, systems provided by Padam. However, the, the way we've built our system is that we are completely open uh, to cooperate with any other provider uh, for those various modules, because we know that many of our customers already have legacy systems, have existing partners. So the mass platform uh, would typically acknowledge this and, and, and work, of course, with the technology that is already available. Absolutely. And obviously, technological solutions are a really key part of the delivery of mass. There's no doubt about it. And as you say, obviously, we're in a very good position that a lot of it, a lot of the technology already exists. It's just working out how we bring it all together and how we work out um, how different operators interact. But besides these technological solutions, what else can the industry do to deliver mass? So, you know, business models, frameworks, things like that. And I think this is this is this is actually where we are getting closer to the challenges that we're still facing with uh, mobility uh, as a service. I've, I've had uh, I've had conversations with uh, uh, some of our customers who said, "Hey, you know, I'm 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 really interested, uh, for example, to add ride sharing uh, to our public transit network." And we said, "Hey, great. Uh, who who are the providers?" Uh, you know, get us in touch with them and, and, and we can integrate them. Uh, okay. And then, so what, what's your business model? And that's when some of them kind of looked at us and said, what do you mean? What's the business model? And the point is, uh, let me take the example of uh, there's a metro system and you want to add ride sharing to, uh, to cover the first and last mile. There's many ways to do this. Uh, the simplest way is uh, you just you just provide access to it uh, through mobility as a service. That means in your trip planning, you will find the ride sharing as a suggestion to cover your first and last mile. That's fine. And you make it easy for the riders to then actually utilize it by offering uh, the ability to book the particular service and to pay for it. But the question is, how do you actually pay for, for the uh, additional ride-sharing service? Do you pay for it separately? Uh, for example, you, you, you pay one euro per mile. Or is it included in your, in your day pass? Is there some kind of a bundle deal um, that, you're, that you're offering uh, when you use public transit uh, uh, when you also want to cover the first and last mile with ride-sharing? And this is where I think we need to discuss more with our clients, with public transit agencies, with companies interested in mobility as a service, that this is something they, they need to think more about. Uh, because I think it's about bundling all these services in, in attractive packages so that people are really eager to use them. Because in this specific example, people might be nervous that this first and last mile ends up being uh, a lot more than they're actually paying for the public transit trip. Uh, means they don't want to pay four euros uh, to, to ride the metro and then another 20 euros to cover the first or last mile. Um, but 
maybe the agency can say, hey, we, we are kind of leveraging this across all of our ridership and we have a flat fee. We just say, hey, if you if you have a day pass, the first and last mile is covered by a flat fee of five euros, no matter how far you have to travel. So they need to think about how to market it, how to how to present it to the rider so that it becomes a really attractive package for the rider. So th- this is this is the discussion that we are engaging in, um, and I'm very happy that we we are actually discussing this with our clients, so they are aware of this challenge. Um, so we're actually talking more and more about marketing and packaging rather than technology. But it's it's a great discussion to have because I think it adds so much more flexibility to public transit, uh, public transit, um, and. It, it will allow public transit to respond much, much faster to the, the changing needs uh, for the mobility world out there. So that's, that's I think, it's a, it's, a, it's a very positive development. And one thing, and I think this, this, this example also shows it, it's about small steps. Um, it's, it's not always about a huge mobility as a service platform with uh, 50 or so MSPs uh, being added to it. It's, it's a lot about small steps. For me, mobility as a service starts, for example, with a simple combination of public transit and DRT, um, or maybe public transit and uh, bike sharing. Uh, so uh, adding one or two or three modes uh, is a simple first step to enter the mobility as a service world for our public transit agencies. And we encourage them to to do these and to explore these simple and uh, first steps. Certainly. And obviously you mentioned there that um, the different modes of transport and one of the key features of mass undeniably is multimodality, um, as well as the introduction of newer and more innovative forms of public transport. Like you said there about demand responsive transport, this is um, very much quite a new um, sort of service for the industry that is introducing for passengers. Do you think that DRT is a booster for mobility as a service or is it the other way around, and particularly when considering the benefits of demand-responsive transport in, say, rural areas? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a chicken and egg problem, right? Uh, is, it, is, it, is, is DRT uh, boosting mass or is mass boosting DRT? Um, and I, I think they definitely complement each other. Uh, and by the way, we're, we're never sure whether we should say DRT or uh, on-demand services, but we we essentially mean both both terms mean the same thing. <laughs> more, more flexible uh, public transit. Um, let me let me put it this way: If mobility as a service fundamentally is about moving people from car ownership into a world where they abandon their car and completely rely on what's publicly available, then I think on-demand or DRT services become fundamental um, to to reaching this goal. Uh, Why is this so? I think any public transit network has significant holes, whether it's geographic holes where uh, the service is just simply not available and uh, the, the next bus stop or train stop or metro stop is just simply too far away. Or whether it's 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 uh, holds in terms of service times, uh, so that the service may not be available on a Sunday afternoon, or it's it's only available every two hours, uh, so you cannot rely on it. 
Um, and there's there's more ob obviously there's there's if you want functional holes like uh, I, I cannot take the bus uh, to to get something from the do-it-yourself market right um, I would probably want to take a car <laughs> for this or or at least utilize uh, a, a transportation that offers me to to carry heavy goods and luggage so we we need to complement public transit uh, with something which is flexible and response to users' needs in very specific situations. Uh, so I think DRT is not just boosting uh, mobility as a service, it largely actually makes it available, especially in rural areas. Uh, that's that's how I would put it. And, and I think adding to this, I think public transit cannot rely that some private company will just offer on-demand and flexible services because many of these services, especially in rural areas, uh, will not be profitable. Uh, I think that's the reality we, we need to face. Uh, in a rural area, uh, providing profitable public mobility is nearly impossible uh, because the, the, the area is just too scattered and the ridership is just too low. Um, but we want to make sure that people in rural areas can rely on public transit and, and get to the next railway station in a, in a timely and convenient and safe manner. Um, and again, this is where on-demand services come in and uh, we, we, we need them to fill those holes. And we also need to, to orchestrate them uh, because on the flip side, we of course do not want on-demand services uh, to uh, compete uh, with a very well-designed mass transit system. Uh, we don't want uh, on-demand services running side by side with a tram um, or a fixed route bus. That makes no sense. Uh, so we, we, we need to orchestrate it. We, we, uh, we need to make sure they really complement each other, uh, both in rural and in urban areas. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we've discussed a lot about how um, mass can benefit you. You know, you keep using the example of on a Sunday, you want to go out and what is what transport is available. But I think um, and we mentioned this a little bit earlier about business travel and things like that. And obviously, post pandemic, um, we're hoping, praying that um, business travel will make quite a significant recovery. Do you think that mass can support the sustainable recovery of business travel, and um, how can it be involved in it? Yeah, I think I think business travel is, is of course, uh, it simply is a very specific way of of, of traveling and, and and of traveling requirements. I mean, typically on on business travel, it's a, it's a single individual traveling. Uh, a lot of times it's it's hand luggage only so you you you're out for a day trip you you get out in the morning and you come back in the evening uh it's uh, it's changing destinations uh a lot of times people don't go to the same destination very often so they don't know the whereabouts uh the whereabouts of the destination very well they have little knowledge about the the local infrastructure and there's time constraints uh typically the business traveler it wants to get there quick and safe um and don't want to doesn't want to miss uh uh, the, the physical meeting. Uh, some of us still remember what that is. Um, so it's it's a very specific way of of of, of traveling, and b because of it, of this of the specifics, a lot of time, uh, a lot of times the the business traveler arrives at a railway station or at an airport, and just grabs a cab, 
uh, because he knows that the, the taxi driver will know the address and he can just about gauge that, okay, the taxi is going to get me there in 30 minutes. I'm good. And then I'll just lean back, relax, and, and, and let him do the rest. If you want to use public transit, uh, once you get uh, um, on site or at a, at a, arrive at a certain destination, it does require more research. I mean, let's face it, you, you, you need to pull out a trip planner. Uh, you need to figure out how to get there. You need to rely on the public transit network. You, you need to find uh, a specific way of how you pay for your ticket in that particular uh, city or destination. So it leaves you with a lot more to deal with. And I would say nine out of 10 will shy away from that. They're just going to say, nope, I'm not going to play around with this. Too much of an effort, too much risk, not convenient enough. I'm going to use the cab and miss the opportunity uh, to, to take public transit, uh, for example, which might be well available and work just fine and would get him there just as fast and just as safe uh, and just as convenient, but much cheaper and a lot more sustainable. And this is why actually... We, we are in discussions with quite a few customers uh, who are interested uh, to improve their business travel using mobility as a service technology, if you want, because at the end of the day, uh, all we are doing is we are applying our mobility as a service layer, which gives our customer one app, one account, one, one means of payment to address all modes of transportation uh, within his network. And of course, we can expand this uh, to business travel uh, where we we offer the same advantage uh, for the business traveler. That means no matter which destination he arrives at, he can pull out the same app again and he can find all modes of transportation that would get him to his final destination. Um, and he has no worries uh, uh, locally uh, to, to kind of have a learning curve on, on how to get around. Um, and of course, it, it can all be charged to one account. So this is why I think, uh, thank you for the, for the question, actually. Uh, business travel is, is a very specific mode of, of traveling, which can very well be addressed by mobility as a service technology. And if you go above and beyond this, of course, you could also create and apply incentives uh, to say, hey, you know, uh, dear business travelers, uh, we're aware you're under time pressure and whatnot, but hey, we incentivize sustainable travel. So uh, especially if you if you opt for the more sustainable modes of transportation, you get some extra credits. Uh, uh, we'll incentivize this in, in one or another way. We'll make it transparent. Maybe uh, we even apply, if you want, kind of gaming technology uh, where we don't take things that serious. But hey, isn't it cool that, that you're one of the employees who's uh, a lot more sustainable than others? And what can they learn from your travel behavior? So there's a lot more you can, you can add on to this uh, above and beyond the technology. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um it's such an interesting innovation, isn't it? And I think there's so many opportunities available for the industry and how they can, like you said earlier, better market it or better adapt it for the benefit of passengers. And as we said, with business travel being so different to, say, leisure travel, how you can adapt it depending on the type of passenger. And mm -hmm. we've discussed plenty about sort of the benefits of uh, mobility as a service and 
um, how it can best be implemented. So I suppose as a good way to sort of end our podcast episode today is maybe if you could give us um, some examples of some current successful maths projects. Sure. Um, I mean, we've been engaging in, in mobility as a service uh, for a number of years now. And it and again, it started, if you want, small. Um, our end of it has been the trip planning part. Uh, we, we actually started many projects with uh, intermodal trip planning um, because no one else uh, w- was able to uh, to integrate and to combine uh, all the different modes of transportation in a way that you create itineraries uh, which are really beneficial for the rider. So the example that I brought earlier, um, I have a metro system that's great, but I live uh, two kilometers away from the next metro station. So how do I resolve the first and last mile? Um, And we, we started to create intermodal trip planning to to address this problem. And then we added ticketing and now we're adding the mobility as a service layer. And we're doing this um, with a number of customers, but let me let me pick up maybe two of them, which I think are specifically interesting here also to our audience. One is uh, Renfe in, in, in Spain. And uh, I think I don't have to explain who Renfe is uh, as a, the large uh, railway in, in, in Spain and, and it provides, uh, if you want, a, nationwide mobility backbone uh, with its railways. Um, And we're doing a mobility as a service project uh, with them over the duration of the next five years, where we are creating a mobility as a a service solution across the complete nation of Spain uh, with all of its around about 47 million inhabitants. Uh, We're including uh, nearly 30 cities uh, for public transportation. Uh, we're including dozens of mobility service providers for car sharing, ride sharing, bike sharing, and, and uh, all the, the, the means of, of, of shared mobility. And Renfe is serving as, as if you want the backbone for this, but really Renfe wants this to be a platform where everybody can hop on uh, and everybody can benefit from. And uh, I think that's a, that's a very, very interesting approach. And Renfe believes, based on their marketing research, that there is going to be around about 700,000 additional riders that will opt for public transit and shared mobility because of this offering. And if you think about it, 700,000 riders, um, I mean, that's the size of a, of a good-sized city. Uh, like, I don't know, Stuttgart, for example, in, in Germany would be about the same size, I believe. Um, and this whole complete city uh, would, would have a shift towards a different mode of mobility. And I, I'd say this is a huge impact. And the cool thing about Renfe is that we're not only providing technology. Uh, actually, here we work together with our partner, Entity Data, uh, and they strongly support Renfe uh, on the marketing side of the whole mobility as a service platform. Um, and then another project maybe to mention real quick is a, a project that we have with the Deutsche Telekom. Um, and I would pick this one because it's a completely new approach. Uh, typically, uh, our customers are public transit agencies and municipalities, um, so public entities, if you want. And, and here comes Deutsche Telekom, which is, uh, I'd say, a completely different approach. Uh, they're, they're uh, as everyone knows, a mobile carrier. 
they're very B2C oriented. They really know how to speak uh, to millions of, of users. They specifically, I would say, know how to speak to the, the very young generation. Uh, and I think they will be able to address uh, the public in a different and very complementary way uh, to public transit. So I think we will be able to reach out to citizens where public transit maybe struggles to even address them, uh, to even reach out to them. Um, and uh, I think this is going to give us a huge push uh, towards uh, a stronger ridership in, in many, many areas. Uh, and this is why we're very, very excited about this project um, as, it, as it really above and beyond technology gives, gives the public transit sector a, a new push. So I think that those would be the, the two projects I'd like to, to mention here. We, we see a significant spike in interest in, uh, in the past year or so in mobility as a service. So I'm, I'm excited that uh, we'll, we'll have more to talk about uh, in the future here. Absolutely. And I think as mass develops and grows and is adopted more widely, it'll be really interesting to see, because you mentioned there in both of your um, case studies about they're very innovative and new approaches so it'll be interesting to see as the um sort of concept develops about how people start to approach it and adapt it um differently so thank you so much for that that actually brings us to the end of our episode today thank you so much for joining me thomas as it was so great to hear your thoughts on mobility as a service as well as harkin is supporting the industry in ensuring its successful delivery well, Leah, it's it's been a it's been a pleasure, um, and and again, thank you very much for the opportunity, and I hope our audience uh, found it found it interesting and inspiring. Thank you so much, Thomas. Well, before we go, I have a quick message for our audience. Please do make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on our future podcasts. These will be available on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you would normally listen to your podcasts. Please do make sure to also subscribe to Intelligent Transport to receive a free copy of our magazine, as well as to join in on our conversations across our social media channels. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today, and I look forward to welcoming you to a future podcast. On behalf of both myself and Thomas, thank you and goodbye. Mm-hmm.